following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, you know our, our needs, and you know the requests that we've made for you. And Lord, those that we haven't acknowledged out loud, Lord, you know each and every one of them. And Lord, we pray for your will to be done in our lives. And let us have this sense of uh, just peace and rest that comes with the Holy Spirit this morning. Letting us know that we don't have to do it alone, that you're with us at all times. Father, Lord, I just ask that the Holy Spirit come into this place now and just take all the crud out of our minds, worrying about where we're going to lunch or is he going to preach too long. But, Lord, just uh, let us be open and receptive to your word. And we just pray this in your son Jesus' uh, most precious name. Amen. Amen. So, this last week, Pastor Collins started, do we have a PowerPoint? Working on it. Okay, well, there's some great slides. Great. Really cool slides. And if you could see them, they'd be even cooler. But anyway, we're going to be talking about the spiritual armor for the Christian. And uh, our scripture this morning will be basically Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. But if you have your copy of God's Word, which hopefully you do, and if we had that really cool PowerPoint, the words would be up there also. So we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. But what I'd like to do is start in chapter 10 to keep it in a context, okay? Uh, Verse 10, I'm sorry, 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Twelve, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Thus says the Lord. can Can I pose a question to you this morning? And you don't have to shut out the answer. Um... But do you believe the following statement is true or false? As believers in Jesus Christ, we are engaged in spiritual warfare with unseen wicked forces? Yes or no? Okay. I think to overcome our enemy and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to remain resolute in our confidence in God. We live in trying times. And if you don't think there's evil in the world, there is. (laughs) Okay? I just want you to know that. If you haven't heard it, it's true. But my friends, and I don't want to be judgmental. It's not my intent. 
However, I would submit that many Christians have forgotten that the Christian life is not a playground, but it's a battleground. It's tough. Used to have an old friend of mine, one of my old deacons, say, you know, being a Christian ain't for sissies. It's not. You know, but because most people don't, there's a good number of people that don't realize we're in, in a warfare. As a result, I think very few of the Lord's people are really armed, equipped, and ready to wage this spiritual battle. You know, we, the Scripture doesn't tell us to wring our hands and say, oh, poor me. I was a Marine for 20 years. I know a little bit about battle. I know a little about getting prepared for battle. This is battle. He's not talking about unicorns and rainbows. He's talking about helmets and breastplates and swords and shields. If we're to be successful in our work for the Lord Jesus, then we must be prepared for that battle and be ready to go to war against the powers of darkness. In our scripture this morning, we're told that after we put on the full armor of God, we are then told to stand firm. I was sharing this morning in uh, Get Ready, verses 10 to 15, the word put on, place, fasten is mentioned seven times. Would you admit that when God says something once, we should really pay attention? So if he says something seven times, do I have your attention now? Yeah, really? You know, and we, 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 we have such a great God that he's willing to be patient with us. So, we're told to stand firm, not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And then the armor is explained one piece at a time. So, Let's begin with the belt of truth. And if we had that really cool PowerPoint, to be a really good picture of the belt. But it's a belt. <laughs> and, you know, I find this passage very interesting because you probably would think that, you know, if, you, if you're going through the list, you probably would have started with, like, the sword or the shield or the helmet. But they don't. You know, a belt just seems to be like a common piece of clothing. But you know what? Belts are important. Why? If I didn't have my belt on, my pants would be down to my ankles, and you'd all run out of here screaming, ah! Don't forget that we're, we're taking, we're talking about spiritual armor to fend off the enemy's attack. It is truth that makes up the belt. And this truth comes from God and should be the language of every Christian. Truth comes from God. We also know the language of devil is what? Lying, right? So, as I'm prone to do, let me ask you a question. Which language do you speak? Hmm. So there's a purpose of the belt of truth. And what's the purpose? Well, like I said before, it, it holds up our pants. But we need to understand that the most basic purpose of wearing the belt, in this case, was to hold up the armor. 
Okay? Now, it might sound crazy, but if these guys didn't have their belt on, I, I, can't, I can't imagine the Roman legions running up the hill holding their, their stuff together with one hand and a sword in the other. You know, it, it might be crazy, but if that happened, the soldier would have to put the sword down or put it away somewhere, you know, and spiritually speaking, if we're not wrapped in the truth of God, our belt is weak. The belt has to be strong all the way around the body. You know, lack of the truth in a Christian's life exposes the body to damage. The belt also held the scabbard for the sword that they had. And, and I believe that the Roman soldiers, when they were going into battle, they would have their sword in their hand and their shield. But when they were marching to and fro to the battlefield, they had their sword in their scabbard, because if they didn't, they would, if they didn't have a place to put it, they'd get fatigued, because these swords were heavy. They were made of bronze, very heavy. So spiritually speaking, the sword of the Spirit is where the truth of God comes from. And it needs to be close to our sides at all times. But that can only happen if the scabbard is there to hold the sword and the scabbard's on the belt of truth. You know, the belt, if I had a really cool PowerPoint, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, just, I can't help myself. But uh, it secures all the other pieces of the armor together, okay? The armor is held together and secured by the belt. So the belt holds, keeps everything in its place. So spiritually, the truth of God is what holds everything together in a Christian's life. You agree? Okay. But there's a proper use for the belt of truth. Now, some of you are probably saying, you know, Fred, that's pretty obvious. But it's important for me to speak about this this morning because many people wear belts that are kind of like just fashion accessories um, and really not to hold up their belt or hold up their pants. They just, you know, these type of belts, they might look nice, but they're usually kind of flimsy and they won't hold anything up. So they just like become a, uh, a, a, an adornment. You know where a belt has to be worn? Around the waist. Not around your neck or across your shoulders or down by your knees. And that's just a social commentary for anybody that likes to wear their pants down there. But, you know, I've even seen guys throw a belt over their shoulder. I, you know, I don't know why. But spiritually, we have to be wrapped in the truth. And if our belt of truth is just for show... We may fool some people, but we are not going to fool our enemy. You know, a false appearance of a person living and walking the truth will be their downfall in the battle. And can I be totally candid with you this morning? The spiritual battle is going to happen whether we're ready or not. It's going to happen. That's why we need to put on the full armor of God and stand firm. My friends, we must be wrapped and secure 
and the truths of God. So I'm going to move a little bit. Again, if I had that really cool PowerPoint to show you the breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness. Now, we, we, it's interesting. I heard noise. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Moving along. Uh, the kids learned at uh, BBS this year uh, that the breastplate isn't just the breastplate. There was a back to it. Why? What do, what's the breastplate protect? Vital organs, right? It doesn't do you any good if you have your kidneys and everything else exposed in the back. So that breastplate was the central part of the uh, soldier's armor. It protected the torso, it protected the back, it, it took care of all your vital organs. And it was fitted, it, used, it would have, and I've seen two types, either loops or straps, that secured it to the belt. And if the belt was loose, the breastplate would slip right off. It is truth that makes up the belt and righteousness that makes up the breastplate. To be righteous is to do what is right in God's eyes. Righteousness gives us right standing with God. In contrast, lawlessness is sin, and sin is what? The opposite of righteousness. So, one of the purposes of the breastplate of righteousness was this, in the Roman days. It would deflect the enemy's weapons. Without the breastplate, the soldier would almost be asking for certain death. And any attack could become instantly fa uh, fatal. And they wouldn't have to get real close to them. They could just shoot arrows and stay, lay off at a distance. But it was a sturdy breastplate. And having a sturdy breastplate, those attacks become ineffective and useless because they would just glance off the, ar the armor. So spiritually speaking, we must guard our hearts from evil. We're instructed, as I said earlier, to put on this armor, which implies that we don't automatically wear it all the time. You know? Putting on the armored armor of God, it requires a conscious decision on our part. You know? To put on the breastplate of righteousness, the first thing we have to do is make sure the belt of truth is held firmly in place. Because without truth, our righteousness will be based upon our own attempts to impress God. You think God's impressed by anything we do? <laughs> Stars, planets, what a good boy am I. Look what I did for you, God. He's not the least been impressed with us. He loves us, but he, I don't think he's very impressed. As a matter of fact, I think he's probably saddened by the way we act and speak and think. You know, and, and when we do things right, if we think righteousness is based on our attempts to impress God, 
that kind of leads into a, a legalistic or uh, mentality or maybe even self-condemnation. We choose, hopefully, instead to acknowledge that apart from God, apart from Him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. You know, we see ourselves as in Christ. We're trying to be Christ-like. We're trying to be Christ-followers. You know, I looked in the Bible, and it doesn't say anything about being Fred-like. Look, doesn't say it. <laughs> Guys didn't get my book yet. But, <laughs> but <laughs> Steve liked that, huh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we're in Christ, but regardless of our failures, his righteousness has been credited to our account. He paid our sin debt. Nothing we could do. Doesn't matter how... You know, I, I, was, I was witnessing a guy one time, and I said, uh, you going to heaven? Yeah. Uh, how do you know? Well, I'm a good person. I said, really? Let me ask you a couple questions. Have you ever told a lie? Yeah. Have you ever cursed? Yeah. Have you ever stolen anything like a pencil from work? Yeah. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust in your heart? Yeah. So you're a lying, thieving, adulterous rascal, but you're good. Doesn't work that way. No one's good, not one of us, that we merit the favor that he gives us. We put it on. We put on this armor by seeking God and his righteousness above everything else. You know, when God reveals an area to change in us, we have to allow him, we have to obey him to do his work in us. Oh no, Lord, I, I think I've told you this story. When I was called into the ministry, I had a great job, per, my, my, my dream job. And the Lord, I was teaching an adult Sunday school class and I, I, the Lord said, you need to go in the ministry. And I'm saying, mm, you got the wrong Fred Fitzgerald. I live in Delaware. Um, and so I went, to, I went and had a sweet little old lady, well, not really old, but uh, Rose uh, Spinelli. And she said, Fred, you need to change your prayer. I said, okay, I'll bite. She said, change your prayer from not what I want, but what you want. Okay. Well, I did that, and it became abundantly clear that I was out battling outside my weight class there. God had all the advantages. I had none, so it was easy for me to just say, okay, Lord, if this is what you want, we're going to trust you. And you know what? He's never let us down. Never let us down. So when the Lord wants to change something in our lives, we have to allow him to do his work. You know, as we wear the breastplate of righteousness, we kind of begin to develop this purity of heart that translates into action. When the armor is abused or worn incorrectly, it could malfunction. 
You know, in the military, we always took care of our equipment, spent hours cleaning it. Get mud on there, you have to hose them down, brush them off, because you don't want it to become degraded. The last thing you want to do is have a pack on, and one of the things, straps breaks, and now you got a one-armed pack. There are several factors that can interfere, though, with the uh, effectiveness of our spiritual breastplates. In no particular order, there's carelessness, there's unbelief, disobedience. You know, they can all hinder us in our ability to stand firm and defeat the enemy in our lives. Let me get real. When we tolerate sin, when we refuse to forgive, when we, when we rely on our own personal righteousness, or we allow earthly concerns to crowd out time for the intimate relationship with God, we are in effect taking off the breastplate of righteousness and we're minimizing its power to protect us. Anybody taking the dwell challenge? 35 minutes, right? Gets easier, doesn't it? I remember when it first started, I had my little timer on my iPad going off. To let me know, okay, I'm at five minutes. I'm good. Now it's like, okay, I'll keep reading or praying and doing something else, and it keeps growing, 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 growing. We have to be in the Word. We have to maximize the power rather than minimize the power. And then the third thing this morning is, and I had a really good picture. <laughs> I, I am, I am. It was a really good picture, though. <laughs> you did? Okay. Uh, the shoes of the gospel of peace. And, and it might be strange to consider shoes as part of your armor. But can you imagine what it would be like going to war without shoes or boots on? You know? The Roman soldiers, they wore this thing called the Caligiae, and it was a heavy-soled military boot. And it, it, would, uh, it was like a sandal, and it had leather straps that went up around just about above the ankle. And uh, some of them even had nails driven into them in the soles so that they'd be able to have traction. And uh, so spiritually speaking, speaking the, the shoes are for the readiness of the gospel of peace. Now, you might say, Fred, are you saying there's more than one gospel? Not at all. No. You all, I'm sure, know what the, the word gospel means. Good news, right? Good news. And that refers to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the dead so that we could be saved. You know, when you are saved, when I was saved, it brings the peace of God into your life. So the purpose of the shoes of the gospel of peace, they, they were necessary to protect our feet. Uh, it allows us to walk on different terrains, without hurting ourselves. You see, a soldier without shoes 
would not be able to focus on the battle because he'd have to watch every little step he's taken. So you didn't need the distraction. And like I said, the nails were driven in so they could walk and grip the ground. You know, spiritually, we need to be ready to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we are. I think it was Michael Jordan that said, you are guaranteed to miss 100% of the shots if you don't take them. You know? We are given so many opportunities on a daily basis to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're either afraid or feel inadequate or we can come up with a thousand excuses why we don't do it. The timing's just not right. The restaurant's crowded. Whatever. You see, I, I believe this, and hopefully you do too, that the Word of God will destroy the enemies and other people will also see the power of God. We also need to stand firm in God, and the, the peace of God holds us to stand firm in Him. You know, one of the reasons why we have shoes is mobility. Caesar wanted his soldiers to have proper shoes so they were able to move quickly. And they were designed, and I've seen pictures of some of the ones that they've found in excavations. They looked like fuzzy bunny slippers with a good sports shoe on the outside. What they did is they put uh, animal fur for comfort on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the inner sole of the shoe. And, you know, no matter how skilled an army is, if an army stands still or goes stagnant, it will be defeated. You know, you can, you can watch throughout history, you know, everything from the, the sieges and the Civil War, Vicksburg and Fredericksburg. You watch World War I, you know, two years, they did, the Germans and the French did nothing except lived in trenches. If you're static... You're dying. Do we serve a static God or do we serve a living God? My God's alive. My God's alive. You know, stability is necessary in shoes, but so is mobility. And I, and I, I was thinking stability is the message, it's the Word, the Word of God, the Bible. Mobility is our method of getting out the gospel. The Bible is non-negotiable. You know, Thomas Jefferson tried to, you ever hear about the Jeffersonian Bible? Where he took the Bible, everything in red he kept, everything else he threw it away. That's the Jeffersonian Bible. Well, it's not like a Chinese menu, folks. I'll take one from column A, but I don't really like this B thing, and C is really hard, so I'll stick with A. It doesn't work that way. The whole thing is truth. It's immutable. Now, the devil, he's constantly changing his methods, his tactics, the way he's going to approach us. 
we talked briefly this morning, and I think passages before too. When does the devil attack us? When we're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And when you're all four of those, whoa. Just one of them's, you know, if I'm angry, that's bad enough. But if I'm hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, that's the trifecta or quadfecta there. And, you know, I, I'm susceptible. So what do we have to do? Seek God. Seek Him. You know, I am sure some of our senior saints, um, they are seeing things today that they never would have dreamt of in the past. You know? It's, it's, it's a scary world. You look at how children are being indoctrinated. Parents, stand up for your kids. They're the future. You know? If I'm good for another 20 years, I hope there's some people and young folks that are going to be 30 by that time and sitting in the pews, in the seats. We need to train up our kids. Train them with the truth. You know, there are sometimes, well, you know, the word is not negotiable, but sometimes our methods need to be negotiable without compromising the word. You know, wasn't all that long ago that, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, we didn't have drums and keyboards and acoustic guitars and singing contemporary worship songs. It was Rock of Ages with the pipe organ and the 500-seat choir. The methods change. You know? We have to be adaptable. Not watering down the message but being able to make the message applicable. You know, when I talk to kids, can I give the same message to young Vivian that I share with Miss Carmela? I would say yes. I just use a different approach to share the message. You know, I don't dumb it down, but it's the same message. God is love. God loves you. He died for you. Simple message. How I do that? Can I use humor? Yeah, probably. Can I do this? Yeah. You know, people don't like change. And if you're honest, raise your hand if you like change. Oh, you, see, I tricked you. If you're honest, you like change. <laughs> no one. I, I think there are five hindrances to change. And... Uh, Again, no particular order, but I think there's pride. I don't need a change. We never did it that way before. That's my family's pew right there. Their name's on the back. Get out of my seat, boy. Maybe this fear. I'm scared to change. It's too much risk. Maybe rebellion. I don't want to change. I don't want to submit myself to anybody. 
You know why? That may just inconvenience me. Maybe I'm lazy. It's too much work to change. Why can't I sit back? Because that's not my calling. That's not my gift. Let someone else do it. And then there's ignorance. I don't know how to change. You know, some need and want to change. But until someone shows up and shows them how from the Bible they can change, they will remain ignorant. So we need stability, mobility, and opportunity. We have to have a readiness to carry the message. A readiness to carry the message. The soldiers kept their shoes on in a state of war. They even slept in them. I've slept in my combat boots many an hour because we were always at the ready. You had to be at the ready. Well, isn't that the same, my fellow good Christian soldiers, that we are always looking for an opportunity? We need to be. Every one of us could witness to one person this week if you wanted to. If you wanted to. So are we stable? Are we mobile? Are we available to take opportunity when it reaches? You know, our foundation is built upon Jesus Christ. And we are to spread the good news of, the God, of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. The Great Commission. I've, I've used this illustration before. When I was commissioned, I got a commission from the President of the United States. And it says, whatever it says, and then it says, those of lesser grade and rank will obey all lawful orders given. And conversely, I will obey all lawful orders by those above me. It's a legal document. A commission is signed by the president with the advice and consent of the Senate. And that's my legal authority to tell a young Marine, go do this, go do that. It's my legal authority, my commission. And my military commission, I didn't realize this until I retired, that I'm subject to recall. And I'm saying, who wants this? <laughs> Maybe there's a pack of Girl Scouts that need to overrun the candy stand or something. But, but, you know, we are given our legal authority in Matthew, the Great Commission. And it's not a suggestion. He uses words matter. He says, go. Go. Well, I'm old. You got a phone? I know you all know how to use Amazon, because in my 55 and older community, those rascals, Amazon, Prime, Google, all these, these trucks run crazy. So I know you're not just looking at pictures of your grandkids. So <laughs> you know how to do that. Everyone's got a cell phone. 
Even some of us might even have the old flip type jitterbugs or whatever they call those things. <laughs> those were cool. I used to have like a big Motorola brick. Remember when they first came out? I think this part of my brain still irradiated, but... <laughs> you know, we can call, we can write, we can encourage. Not everyone is gifted to be a missionary. If you can't go, send. Do you have to send money? Yeah, it's nice if you got it. Prayer. If you talk to a missionary, the number one thing they'll tell you they need from you is prayer. Because they are doing battle daily with the devil. And if you don't believe that, when you have a missionary come through here, or talk to Dave and Sarah when they get back, they'll tell you. They see it. So we, we have to take action on these things. We just can't say, well, someone else would do it. Or I don't know how to do it. I really don't have time to do it. You know. Let me close. We need to spread the good news of Jesus Christ wherever we go. As believers, in, if the worship team wants to come up... Um, as believers in Christ, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare with an unseen wicked force. And to overcome our enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to remain resolute in confidence in God. And here's what we have to determine that we're never going to accept defeat. You know why armies lose battles? They think they're going to. You don't go into a battle saying, well, I think those bad guys are going to take us over today. No, that's not military mindset. No, I, I will be victorious. And we got, you don't need the 2nd Marine Division or the 82nd Airborne or the aircraft carrier Roosevelt. You have the best person in your corner, Jesus Christ. And who can defeat him? He's already conquered death, correct? You know, as believers in Christ, we're not fighting for victory, but we're fighting from victory. And our commander-in-chief, he's already won the battle. All we have to do is get up dress up in the full armor of God, stand up in line, await your marching orders. The Lord will tell you where he wants you. And you know what? You don't have to do it alone because he will lead us into victory. So, we need to avail ourselves of all the tools that we've been given. Not everyone's gifts are the same. That's what's so remarkable about churches. We have to learn how to stand, though, to stand firm. And we're in spiritual warfare, but the victory belongs to us. And I'd like to close in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. Verse 57. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor talks about fighting words. Them was fighting words. Amen.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we just come to you this morning and we just ask for your guidance in all we do. Lord, keep us strong. Keep us ever vigilant. Keep us always on the alert for when we can share the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, Lord, just be with, with us every day for people in our path that we're able to share this news. Lord, again, we lift up the pastor, Dave and Sarah, and the children going to camp this week. And Lord, just the healing and safety and all the gifts that you have for us, we ask that you pour down on these folks. Lord, watch over us this week as we go about doing your business and introducing people to the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your Son Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.